best three years, three full years of obscenely low payrolls and trading away pretty much every asset you had at the big league level. And you got to show better than this. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins that I invite you to check out. Jonathan Mayo is a Pittsburgh-based writer for MLB.com. Has been for a lot of years. Uh, Good dude, works hard, and stays very much objective in his principal role of analyzing prospects. Seriously, I can't say enough about the thoroughness of the work that this man does. And he has just released an article that he does every year in which rather than just ranking the prospects himself or basing it on his own eyes or his own data, he asks executives around Major League Baseball for their opinion on various farm systems. And it turns out to be a fascinating exercise because the truth is it generally doesn't line up with the organizational rankings that you find at other outlets, including Baseball America. And if you're guessing that the reason that I'm bringing this up is that the Pirates are nowhere to be found among the better teams, the various questions that John asked, you're right. In fact... Questions were asked such as, who has the best farm system? And Baltimore was the overwhelming leader in this regard. Followed by the Dodgers, the Cardinals, the Diamondbacks, and then there were a handful of other teams that were listed as being like right in the same category, and the Pirates weren't one of those either. And there's other questions in the survey. Which teams do you feel are the best at developing. The best at creating a diamond in the rough was another one. Uh, The best at pitching instruction, the best at hitting instruction, and on and on and on it went. The best in Latin America, the best in the draft, the best in evaluating college talent, the best in evaluating high school talent, and on and on and on it went. And there was not one mention of your Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, they don't, because this is MLB.com and it is the house organ, remember, get into the negatives. They don't say the kind of things like, if I was doing the survey, I'd say, who's the absolute worst at doing it? Because it's just, whatever, it's just straight up journalism. We're not looking to play favorites with anybody. They're not going to do that. But by virtue of the Pirates not appearing on any of these lists, one of two things is the case here. One, they have not changed the perception of how they do business around the majors, meaning among other executives. Or two, they haven't changed the reality, which is way scarier, right? And if you think about this, think about the number of number one overall, number two overall, now with Tamar Johnson, number four overall, but some people think that he's the best possible prospect that they could have had in that class. And you're looking at this, 
<laughs> you're looking at uh, just a, a great big blank. And if you want to make yourself feel better by saying, well, hey, you know, some of those guys are starting to arrive now. So they're coming off the prospect lists like O'Neill Cruz has made it to the majors. Rowanzi Contreras has made it to the majors. Okay, fine. But then I will repeat that the team that's number one, number one in this survey by a mile is Baltimore. And the Orioles, in case anybody missed it this past summer, started bringing up a lot of their guys too, including their very best guy in Adley Rutschman, the big catcher. That's how you do it. If you're going to tank, if you're going to do willful losing to jockey for position in the draft, and you're going to set aside money from the major league payroll so that you can make big expenditures on either the amateur, the international, or even the free agent fronts, you have to come away with way more than this. You can't trade Richard Rodriguez and come up with Bryce Wilson and then cut Wilson a year and a half later. There have to be real, live, younger assets coming in. Want to get excited about Cruz? You want to use Cruz as a positive example? Okay, he is that. But guess who gets 100% of the credit for Cruz? Yeah, right, Neil Huntington. Huntington was the one that traded Tony Watson to the Dodgers for Cruz. That doesn't even go on. I mean, you can give you know the, the, the new guys, if you want to still call them that after three years, some props for his development and so forth. But that's not a triumph of the tanking. The Pirates, for their own perspective here, prefer to look at this situation as one of uh, people around the industry undervaluing their main guys, Henry Davis, Nick Gonzalez, Quinn Priester, because all three of them have been set back by injuries over the past couple of years. In particular, Davis. Davis is the one that that leaps out of this one. This is a 1-1, you know, first overall pick. And he really dropped on a lot of rankings. Gonzalez dropped out of a lot of top 100s on the rankings. Priester, who everybody was going gaga over around baseball uh, during peak pandemic time, has fallen off big time as well. Uh, he's just not seen as that next big star the way he was, for reasons that I didn't really understand, by the way, coming out of 2020. But they've all fallen off, and as a result, so has the view of the Pirates system. But the other part, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not sure that I expected fully that other part, the part about the development. And maybe it's a case of people just don't know or notice what the Pirates are doing development-wise because these prospects haven't stayed healthy, the ones I've mentioned, and you will get extra credit when prospects make it to the majors and, and show well. And that's where your reputation can come from. So that part might be more perception than reality, but it also might be reality. It also might be reality. Uh, this is not a good look for this front office. They can have all the wonderful drafts and get all excited and high-five each other and everything else here. All that matters, all that matters, ever, 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 getting to Pittsburgh performing 
in Pittsburgh. When we come back, J1Q. Say this. This is a really good one. Bobby asks DK, "Do you think the ban on the shift will change Brian Hayes' approach at the plate? Will he try to send the ball to the opposite field less often as a result of the ban, and maybe therefore have a higher power output?" That's a really neat way of looking at it. And for anybody who doesn't know exactly what Bobby's referring to, uh, a couple of things. One, uh, I brought up. On yesterday's episode, a potential lack of power in this lineup and mentioned that Key having only seven home runs in 2022 is one of those areas where you would hope the number could go up for the individual. Now, Key hits the other way. Key loves to hit the other way. Funny thing about Key, though, he never admits it. He never will acknowledge that he's swinging the other way. You will see at bats of his. Where no 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 not even not even the the final result, but the entire approach through the whole plate appearance, where it could not be clearer that he's trying to go the other way. And I'll ask him about it afterward, even just in casual conversation, and he'll be like, "No, not really. No, I wasn't doing that. I wasn't doing that." Funny thing, if you go back to his 2020, the pandemic year, I should say the pandemic month, because that was all that he played in the majors. But he was unbelievable. He was Ted Williams for 30 days. Some of his power went the other way. And I mean not doubles power. I'm talking about over-the-fence power. Some of it went in that direction. But that doesn't feel like his natural power tendency. When you watch Key hit the ball out now, more often than not, he's yanking it. And he's yanking it hard. And that's that's where I'm with you, Bobby. That That's where I see if Key could just get out of the habit of worrying about, A, where he's being pitched, or B, where the fielders are lined up. Although, remember that in modern baseball, those two things tend not to be coincidences. I think you can see some of that pop come back. I actually wouldn't mind seeing Key strike out a little more often, maybe even just, you know, through spring training, make it a focal point where you just say, listen, one way or another, our mission in these 30-some Grapefruit League games we're going to play is to get you to pull the ball. Don't worry about going the other way. We know you can do that, but let's get back to yanking it and feeling good about that and feeling good about hitting home runs. If there's any place on this planet to feel good about hitting home runs, Believe me, it's it's Lee Com Park at Bradenton. I mean, all you do is send the thing up into the wind and it goes. You can bring people out of the seats to hit home runs there. So it's an interesting uh, theory that you bring up, and it's it's one that's not only worth bearing out, but it's one that's worth uh, my pursuing the next time I see Key or I can even bring it up with Derek Shelton, the old hitting coach. Good stuff. I appreciate it. I appreciate everyone listening. The Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. Mm-hmm.